Hey everyone, welcome to Parallel Church, one church in five physical locations. Welcome to all of you joining us this morning in Tabor with Pastor Renee and Jill. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Lethbridge with Pastor Ralph and Cindy. Welcome Claire's home with Pastor Brian and Heidi. Welcome Okotoks with Pastor Joel and Tanisha. Welcome Lloyd Mister with Pastor Mike and Kara. Welcome all of you joining us online with Pastor Tim and Jen. Welcome to you and welcome to uh, the middle of our series, This Is My Happy Place, which has been so enjoyable to hear from all of our campus pastors. And I love this series because we get to see a little bit of insight into the personality and the passions and, and you know, out of this, what drives and, and motivates and excites and uh, our campus pastors and get to know them a little bit uh, personally. And for my message, I had prepped a message. I had it all ready and good to go. And it was all about uh, golfing. But it, the message got a little bit dark, uh, to be honest with you, and 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 it was, well, honestly, the message, I'll just give you the insight. It was, it was all about hell and it being a real place. And I decided, you know, I, I'm glad that Pastor Renee, you know, did it for me and so that I didn't have to. And you're probably thankful too, because this series is about our happy place. <laughs> the golfing is not mine. But uh, anyway, my happy place, I know this is going to come as a big shock to all of you. I'll put up a picture that'll show you what it's all about. Here's a picture this picture is actually of, of me and my oldest son, Carson, and I'm, I'm coaching, had the privilege of, of coaching Carson. This picture is a little bit um, uh, bittersweet for me because this picture is actually taken toward the end of uh, Carson's last game as uh, playing in high school and last, the last time that I got to coach him uh, in person, and we had, you know, I had the privilege of coaching him when he was little for about eight, nine years. I think I, I was able to coach, coach him. This was the last game, but my happiest place of all the years, 19 years I've been coaching, I had the privilege in one of those years, and here's the picture of it to prove it. But I had the 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 privilege of coaching all three of my boys in on the same team. In, and Keenan was in grade 10, Kale was in grade 11, Carson was in grade 12, and that was, that was one of the happiest years, experiences, uh, uh, you know, getting to coach all three boys at the same time on the same team, and that was a privilege. And I love football. I know it's a big shock to all of you. I, I love the sport. There's so many things about the sport that that I love and it's a happy place and being able to get on the field and coach young men and, and women, uh, you know, to play the game and to understand the game. I love it. It does, it it's really does something for me and I hope I'm able to contribute that to, to them as well. But in the history of football, one of the most iconic moments in football history, and no, it wasn't the Minneapolis miracle, although wasn't that great? Come on. That was amazing. Um, no, it was it, the most iconic moment I think happened actually in 1976. I, I was too young to, to witness <laughs> to remember it myself. However, um, there's a movie made about this moment. It was so iconic. It was amazing. What happened was is Coach Dick Vermeil was the coach of the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL. And the Eagles the year before were one of the worst teams, or the worst team in the league, and, and were terrible. And Coach Vermeil did something unprecedented. It's it's never been it never been done before. It hadn't been hasn't been done since. But he got so desperate and so I don't know desperate to 
bring change to the culture in Philadelphia and, and how terrible they were, that he decided to ha have to hold an open practice. So what uh, an open tryout. What an open tryout is and what that means in sports, as you know, uh, in the NFL and the NHL and Major League Baseball, like you don't, you don't, they don't do open tryouts. You get drafted or you get chosen to a team and you, uh, it's all about that. I mean, it's all about, it's a privilege to be there. And so when Coach Vermeil decided to have this open tryout, he got mocked by the media. The players within the locker room thought this was a joke. He was belittled and, and thought, you know, he was a joke as a coach, all the rest of it. But he opened up for anybody in the air, anybody anywhere in America could come and try out for his team. And everyone thought, this is a waste of time. His coaches thought it was a waste of time. And they tried out, I think over 400 people showed up in, and they were terrible. Many of them were terrible. And all of that, they all showed up to get their, reach their dream and ha you know, achieve their you know, ultimate fantasy of being able to play professional football. And lo and behold, in all that tryout, one guy actually made the team. And it became this major phenomena and surprise. And his name was Vince Papali, and he made this, this uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you haven't seen the movie Invincible and you want to see his story, it's, it's absolutely in, incredible. But when Vince Papali made the team, again, nobody took it seriously. They all pointed at Coach Vermeil saying this is a joke. The players in the locker room were, you know, were, were appalled that this kid off the street you know, made it. Where That meant that somebody that actually had been chosen by the team and worked out of the team had to lose their position because this punk off the street made the team. So he wasn't getting respect. And to make matters worse... The, the first game that he played, he was terrible. And in fact, it was, he came very, very close to being cut. And the pressure was all on Coach Vermeil to do that. But he let him play the second game. And the second game was the first game that Vince Papali, who was a major Philadelphia Eagles fan, in fact, he was in the stadium for a lot of the games. He's a raving fan, he, you know, there cheering them on. He got to play. When, you know, with, on the field, with the jersey, he got to play a game at home in front of 60,000 friends, family, and, and a city rooting for him, and he got to play in front of his home fans, which, which would have been remarkable in itself. The miraculous moment happened that in the game, on a special teams play, they punted the ball to the New York Giants, and while the, the guy went to receive the ball, Vince Papali down the field so fast, just as the guy was catching the ball, Vince Papali hits him, the ball comes out, and Papali picks up the ball and runs it in for a touchdown. Now, now, not only, I get chills just thinking about that, come on, not only did he get to play and be on the field, not, not just on the bench, but be on the field, he scored a touchdown in his very first game at home. On. Believable. Can you imagine the place went crazy? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the feeling that would have been to go from the stands to the field? Well, like I said, what makes this story remarkable is an open tryout, unheard of, because in professional sports, you get drafted. I remember as a kid dreaming about you know, what that would be like and watching drafts, the NHL draft, the NFL draft, and watching these drafts and going, what would it be like to hear your name called 
and, and you've been picked, you've been chosen by one of these professional teams. Now, I'm not bringing that up to crush some of your dreams again, saying, oh, that was my dream too. <laughs> I'm not bringing it up. But I'm bringing it up because did you know you've been drafted to a team? In fact, Jesus said these words to his disciples in John 15. He says, you did not choose me, I chose you. In other words, Jesus said to his disciples, I picked you, I drafted you. I handpicked you. And again, Dick Vermeil took a chance on an open tryout on Vince Papali, risked his own reputation and career. Jesus took a chance on Peter and John and Matthew and Judas. He took a chance on these guys risking his own reputation. And he said to them, I, I, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And the truth is, you can put yourself in that story and saying, if you're on team church, on God's team, you've been chosen. You've been drafted by God and you've been picked on the team. And then this is what's amazing because we look at that and saying, well, okay, so I get to be on the team. No, no, it gets a little bit better than that. Ephesians chapter two, look at this. This is what he says, okay, this is almost, could you almost hear a general manager speaking, saying this, you know, sitting down with his player for the first time and he says this, okay. He's using us all, general managers using us all, irrespective of how we got here. Vince Papali, irrespective of whether you got drafted first overall in the, in the NFL draft or whether you got selected and by happenstance in an open trial, it doesn't matter. He's using us all on this team, irrespective of how we got here. It doesn't matter whether you were raised in the church like me or whether this is your furry first Sunday and you're, you're deciding this is the team I want to be part of. It's irrespective of how we got here. It doesn't matter what your past is. He's using us all in what he is building. Okay, look at, you know, Vince Papali, the Philadelphia Eagles are, Eagles are using you to win. In fact, that touchdown that he scored actually was the first win in two years, propelled the team to the first win in two years, and he got to do that. He's using us all, irrespective of what, in what he is building, in the foundation, the organization, the team that he's building. He uses the apostles and prophets for the foundations. Now he's using you. Yeah, he's using us. He's using me. Uh, you know, God's choosing us, our team church on the planet. There is no plan B. This is plan A. This is God's team on the planet. We got chosen. We got drafted. We're on that team, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. Man, it's am amazing. So there you have it. You've been drafted. Your name has been called, not at an NFL draft or an NHL draft, but the draft in heaven, your name's been called for eternity, drafted and selected, drafted to join a team that's all about doing, uh, you know, whatever you can to love people, love God. And in sports, there's a term um, that, you know, the draft picks that are, you know, locks that are going to be for sure successes. They call them blue chippers. Same thing as stock market. A blue chip stock is a sure thing. God calls you a blue chipper a sure thing. In fact, Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4. He says, it's clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hand on you for something special. You've heard me say it. I'm going to say it again in case you haven't heard me say it or haven't got it yet, is God made you on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. It's clear that he doesn't just love you, 
okay? That he also put his hand on you for something special. He didn't just draft your team because he's got, he's got, he wants to, you to sit on the bench. Come on, it's not about just sitting on the bench. He's using you for, and has crafted you, has created you and put you on purpose for a purpose in this time for do, to do something special. When he picks you to be on his team, to be one of his followers, he's saying that he's not only picking you, but that he has confidence in you. He's, he's not only asking you to believe in him, he's asking you to believe that he believes in you. He's not just asking you to have faith in him, he's asking you to have faith that he has faith in you. Come on, church. God believes in you. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, when he says, I keep my bearings in Christ, but I, uh, I have entered their world and tried to experience things that put uh, from their point of view and I've become just about every sort of servant there is in any attempt to, for, to make an attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. In other words, when God drafts you on his team, Paul is saying this, and I got, he got drafted on the team, he got handpicked by Jesus. When he gets drafted on the team, he says he didn't pick you to become a better person or a more religious person. Or, or, or a bench warmer. When God picked you, he picked you on purpose for a purpose and his purpose was for you to get in the game. And that game is to impact this planet with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we're part of the team, part of Jesus's team, part of team church. And our job is to do exactly what, what Paul said here is I, 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 everyone I meet, I'm introducing into a God-saved life. Now I know what you may be thinking. And you might be thinking, yeah, but I, I'm not a preacher. I, I'm not gifted in that way. I'm not called. Come on. What I'm saying, and I'm hoping you're hearing it, is that it's not about a few are, are called. All of us are called. All of us have been drafted. If we call ourselves Christians, we're drafted onto team church, and we can all get in on it. And this is what, what Paul says. He says, not just good enough to be in the team. Come on, look, he calls it out. He says this, I did all of this. I, I reached everybody I possibly could because of the message. It's not because of my gifting. Look what he's saying. He's not because of my gifting. It's not because I'm so talented or I'm so special. He says, I'm doing this. I'm participating in this game because of the message, because the message is so life-changing. The message is so powerful. The message is so full of hope. The message is so much about grace and God's love. And I, can't, I have to do all this. I have to risk everything. I have to give everything. I have to get on the field. I have to do this because of the message. He says, I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. In other words, what Paul is saying is like, it's not just, I don't want to be just on the bench. It's not just good enough to put the jersey on, to be on the team and to get on the bench. I want to get in the game. I want to be in the game. I want to put the jersey on. I want to put the helmet on. I want to get, I don't want to be standing on the sideline. I want to get in the field. I want to get in the field, not because my talent's so good, but I want to get in the field because the message is so good. When Jesus picked you to be on his team, he's calling to be a part of something that's about the most important thing in the entire world. And it's not, as much as I love it, it's not about a pigskin, carrying a pigskin up and down a green grass field. <laughs> as cool as that is. Sounds really weird when I say it like that. But it's... <laughs> It's so much more. The most important thing on the planet, on the world, 
the most important team on the world. I believe the church, team church is the hope of the world. We get to be not just on the sidelines watching others participate. We get to be in the game. We're called to be in the game. God's put his hand on you to do something special. And he calls all of us to invest our lives in the lives of others and in helping people find their way to God. Now, when we get in the game, it's not just good enough to get on the field. Paul pushes us even further. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the football game. I mean, the athletes race. There was no football back then, unfortunately. Or else I guarantee you he would have been writing about football. You know, I, I know that because Audio Adrenaline told us that football is going to be in heaven. I, I just dated myself and only Christians from the 90s know anything what I'm talking about. But they told us that there's football in heaven and I believe them. <laughs> Go on. He says, you've been to the stadium. You've seen the athletes race. He says, everyone runs, one wins. And then he looks at the church and he says, you guys run to win. He says, all good athletes train hard. In other words, this is not the time to get lazy. This is too important. The message is too important. Get on the field, run the race, go, run. And when you do this, you might as well win. If you get on the field, come on, you got drafted to the team. Don't be comfortable just sitting on the bench. Don't be comfortable just standing on the sideline. Don't be comfortable just getting on the field. If you're going to get on the field, come on, play to win. Train hard. Why? To win. And he says this, he gives us the why. He says, they did it. They do it for the gold medal that tarnishes and fades or the Super Bowl that they get to lift up that tar will tarnish and fade. He says, you're after one that's gold eternally, that this is the best, most important game. This is the most important thing on, the, on our earth today, the team, most important team, and you get to be in on it. And he says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard. This is Paul saying, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. Love that. Now, if you're like me, you're probably prone to the comparison trap. And you probably disqualify yourself from getting on the field because you're comparing yourself to others and you start thinking like, well, I know I do this all the time. It's like, well, I could never do that because I'm not as good at preaching as that person. Or I, I could never do that because I, I don't have as much knowledge or experience or education as that person. Or I could never do that because I'm not as called as them. And I, I could never do that because I didn't have the opportunities they had. Whatever it might be, we all have excuses as to why we can't participate in the game. And you might have the same excuse. You might be going, well, yeah, I'm not a preacher. I, I, could, I couldn't. How can I lead someone to Jesus? I don't even, I don't know it myself. And I don't, I'm not good with words. And I don't know how to explain it. What could I do? Well, Paul addressed that too. He said this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body in every one of, a, of them, just as he wanted them to be if they were all one part. If they are all, if, he says, I put together a team and there's all a bunch of different parts of the team. If they are all just quarterbacks, he says, where would the body, where would the team be? Can't just be quarterbacks. Not everybody can be the quarterback, right? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. In other words, what Paul's saying here is, is like, not everybody can be the mouthpiece. 
Not everybody can be the hand. Not everybody can be the hair. Like not, there's, there's all, it takes all the parts of the body working together for the body to function. It's all one body. In the same way, it says not everyone can be the preacher. You don't have to be. Not everyone, not everyone can be you know, the pastor. You don't have to be. All of us, though, have a part to play. No matter, and he goes on, he says, not as, as, as big or small, it doesn't matter the role. We are all contributing as part of the team. And one of the things that I love about football, and I talk to parents about this all the time, is one of the things that I appreciate the most about football is that a lot of sports, basketball, you have to naturally be tall. You know, it's the, it's the kids, you, I mean, you can't control your t- height, you are what you are. And so a lot of kids are disqualified simply because they didn't have the genes to get tall enough. In hockey, you have to have a certain body type. In baseball, there's certain you know, natural attributes. What I love about football is that there's a role for every body type, every type of athlete. You know, you know, the quarterback doesn't look like the old lineman and the old lineman doesn't look like, you know, the cornerbacks and the, and the linebackers don't look like, like, you know, the running back. Like they, they all have different skill sets, different parts, different sk- talents, and they, but yet they all make up a team. And this is what Paul's saying. You don't have to all look like the pastor. You don't have to all look like, you know, the, the, the musician or the worship leader, we don't all have the same parts, but we are all one body and we all contribute, Parallel Church, to, to the message. And we do this because the message, we all contribute to the team. And we're running to win Parallel Church. We're running to see as many souls as we possibly can come into the kingdom of God. And that's why we provide my city care and we provide opportunities for different skill sets and we provide different creative elements and we provide, come on, this is all part of worship. We, you know, the lights that we use and the, and the, the, the worship and the, the kids ministry and, and the serving downtown and all the things that we do all put together, there's a place for anyone and everyone to contribute to the body, all one body on mission to win to get, win as many souls as we can to the kingdom of God. And Paul said it this way, again in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are team church and every one of you has a part of it. We don't attend church, we are the church. We don't just sit on the bench get into the locker room and going, yeah, I made it, I'm here, and I can sit here and be comfortable. We don't just sit on the bench. We get, it, we get in the game, all of us. And we get to participate on the greatest team on the planet with the most important mission on the planet to lead people into relationship with God. Here's today's takeaway. It says, God drafted each of us to be part of what he's up to in the world. God drafted you, me. What a privilege to be a part of what he's up to in the world. Man, I, I watched the movie Invisible multiple times and the story of Vince Papali. And I rewound many times the touchdown. It's at the end of the movie. And and what I rewind and watch over and over again is I watch his face and I watch that feeling. I was like, can you imagine how Vince Papali felt when he picked up that ball 
and he's sprinting towards the end zone and he sees 60,000 of his peers, his friends, his family. He probably looked up to the section and saw his family there and he's got the ball and nothing is it between him and the end zone. He's running there and he hears an entire wave of people stand up and cheer for him. Can you imagine what that would have felt like for a kid who wasn't good enough to be drafted, who others passed over and didn't see the talent in him, and here he is in the greatest league uh, uh, in, you know, if, of the football world, and here he is scoring a touchdown in his second game, his first game at home, his, in front of his family, friends, and his home. Can you imagine that feeling? Now just take that feeling and think, this is what the Bible says, is that when you lead just one soul to Jesus, it says all of the angels and men and women in heaven stand up and applaud and have a party when just one soul comes to Jesus. And that when we play our part, we get on the field and play our role, that we're gonna hear all of heaven applaud and cheer us one day because we got in the game. Wow. Let's go. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege to be chosen by you in this time, in this season, for such a time as this. God, I pray that you and the Holy Spirit tweak inside of us the part that we get to play in your kingdom and how we can serve your church and your vision and your mission because of the message we we get in the game, we get on the field because of you, we worship, we serve. God, I pray that you'd give us insight into how we contribute to the souls. And I just wanna say, Lord, as, as pastor of, of this church and these people, Lord, I just wanna pray over and thank you so much for the players that I get to play with on a field on a regular basis. I am so incredibly grateful. Thank you, Jesus.